hello and welcome to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. This week's podcasts cover the same practice from two unique angles, first from the doctor and then from her marketing director. Today, board-certified dermatologist and Real Self Business Advisory Board member Janet Allenby shares her perspective on more than two decades of practice growth in South Florida. Today, my guest on the Real Self University podcast is dermatologist Dr. Janet Allenby from South Florida. Welcome, Dr. Allenby. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Will you just tell us a little bit about your practice? Well, my practice, I have been on my own for about, wow, 16 years, but I have been in practice for over 25 years. And I was a regular dermatologist, did a lot of cosmetics, did a lot of surgery, kind of grew up on cosmetics. And about five years ago, after kind of stepping back and looking at numbers in the practice to see, you know, what's doing what. And knowing that I loved cosmetics, I ended up going and doing cosmetics solely. And I just found that with cosmetics, it's a different mindset. And I kind of said, you know what, I want to focus on this. It's a lot more enjoyable at the end of the day. And I really like the outcomes of people and how they respond to it. So that was a big driving force. So you don't have any medical component to your practice these days? Nope, not even a little. What was it back 16 years ago that made you decide to go out on your own? You know, it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I always kind of do things in weird ways, I have to say. I was with a practice and they were a nice group. It's a very large group today. And I was kind of running South Florida for this group. And I could see in the direction, like I couldn't always ask for the things that I wanted to get endpoints that I wanted, whether it was medical or cosmetic. And I kind of saw how they were maybe treating other individuals not so nice. And I was like, you know what? I'm single. I, at this moment, I was kind of like nothing was on my plate. I'm like, you know, what? why don't I just go out on my own? And I didn't have any claws, thank goodness, that I couldn't bring people with me. And I ended up bringing some of the staff that were being treated not so nice. And I think they were real quality people. And actually, some of those staff are still with me today. So it was kind of like they were not being treated like they should. I wasn't getting where I wanted. And at the end of the day, it was like, you know what? I can do this. Why not? Let's try it. The worst that happens is I go back and practice for somebody else again. Was it a bumpy transition from the old to the new? You know, it really wasn't. I was so well established in South Florida. I mean, we kind of laugh. We still laugh because I've been in South Miami, like mid-Miami, northern Miami. Then I went to Broward County, which is, that was Miami-Dade. And then I ended up in Palm Beach. So I've kind of covered all of South Florida. And it's almost like I'm the sixth separation from somebody. Like everybody has seen me one way or the other or knows somebody who's seen me in their lifetime. So it was kind of, I already had a very good following and I was opening up a cosmetic, but actually dermatology more base and cosmetic secondarily practice. So it ended up, I was shocked. I was having an absolute heart attack when I decided to finally do it. And, you know, like the scariness of it was huge. But by the time I opened within the first week, we were already like kind of paid off most of the stuff that I was really frightened about. And it just kind of kept building after that. 
you made everything off in a week. We're going to have to do an entire episode about how you, how you did that. <laughs> uh, it, it really was. I was shocked because I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I have to take out all these home equity loans. I got to like take out, you know, I, I was just so freaked out over it. And watching the budget, you know, watching every dollar I spent and doing whatever I could myself. That was really it. I had a lot of help from people that had joined me and my mom and her husband, who's since passed away, they were really instrumental. So anybody who could help me, they were at my office helping. <laughs> That's great. You told me that you grew up in Oklahoma. Lived there a lot of years. How did you get from Oklahoma to South Florida? Oh, goodness. I'm from New Mexico originally. And my mother moved to Oklahoma. My dad had moved to Chicago. And I kind of split up time between Chicago and Oklahoma in pretty much from middle school through college in, in the beginning of medical school. And I, okay, this is so lame. I was down here on spring break. <laughs> I know it's so bad. Met a guy. <laughs> oh, no. I know, it was so bad. Okay, I'm obviously single. Going from Oklahoma to South Florida, it's like kind of going from 20 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour. And I just loved the vibe. I mean, everything was moving. Things were happening. You could go to dinner late. I mean, everything was just so quick and, and fun and it, like entertaining, I guess, in a way, or just interesting. Everything yeah. where in Oklahoma, you know, it's kind of steady state, plodding along. I went from Southern Minnesota to Houston, Texas. Which wow. Was pretty similar. That's the same. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, wow, there's so much energy here. You know, I want to kind of grasp some of that energy for my life. And I will tell you, the people in Oklahoma are the nicest people. And they're overall, 98% of them are just the kindest, most honest people ever. You know, down here in Florida, it's kind of like you got about a 50% great people and 50% are a little bit shaky. But, you know, it's just part of the the craziness and the energy here. It attracts everybody. Well, you obviously liked it because you stuck around there. Yeah, because I'm crazy. (laughs) I had the privilege of talking to someone from your staff earlier this week, which was a huge privilege. I don't usually get both sides of the the equation that close together. And, And I was struck by how much of a family atmosphere you've created in the practice. And I know you also have actual family working there. So how do you think that you've cultivated that family feeling over time? And then tell us what it's like to have actual family members in the practice too. Yeah, you know what? Okay, first of all, within my practice, I don't feel that I'm above anybody. I think we're all equals and we all have a job to do and it's to deliver good patient care at the end of the day. And I'm willing to do anything that needs to be done. And I've always worked. I started working when I was like 14. And I just, I love working. I love having goals. And as long as my staff is in the same mindset, we get along great. And these people are really, they are my family. You know, I am a single woman and I have a dog and I have a mom here at this point, but otherwise they're my family. And, you know, families sometimes have their little bickerings, but overall 90%, I think they are just amazing people. I wouldn't have hired them. And honestly, if they're not, they don't last too long with us. So I think, you know, the people that don't pull their weight are going to be gone pretty quickly in my office. 
But the people that are there, I will reward them and take care of them and be there for them as much as I can. You're currently all female. And I think you have about 30 on staff. Yep. Yep. Is that intentional or did it just sort of happen that way? No, it just happens. I've had a couple guys. I just, you know, I think in aesthetics, it's just such a strongly driven female market. I think the staff make the patients more comfortable, honestly. I've had actually nurse practitioners and PAs. And overall, like the the male PA that I had, nice guy, but it's a different mindset. Being able to identify with patients, I think, is key in this industry. And if you have a connection and maybe beyond, I have a wrinkle, you know, that is kind of a huge piece of customer service is finding that connection. And, you know, if there's not a connection, people won't come back to the office, whether it's me or sometimes the staff. Usually, you know, I I don't hear about it when it's me, but I do hear about it once the staff and I address it with them. And the staff is usually really receptive of correcting whatever the situation is, if it's real. And if it's not, then I say, hey, I don't think this is true, but this is what was said. So to the family issue, I will tell you, I wasn't so sure it was a great idea, you know, bringing family in, but I have three nieces and a nephew. And my nieces are all so grounded and intelligent and well-educated, and they understand marketing. And the two that work with me now both went to school in Boulder, and they just, they get it. And I don't have time to do it. And I think, you know, you can only do so much in a day, and you have to have the support of your team and have you know, people that are going to bring you to the next level. You know, I don't need to be the top. I need to have people who are better than me to keep pushing me up, up, up. And it's not me they're pushing. They're they're pushing the brand is what they're really pushing at the end of the day. And I think it's because they love doing it and they love the challenge. We're a big game family. And if you put a challenge up there, it's going to be like, bloody to the end. <laughs> <laughs> so they're that magical unicorn mix of competitive, but also compassionate. They just really love what they do and they're compassionate and that's clearly serving you very well. Oh, they're fantastic. So about, I think two years ago, you decided kind of on a dime to stand up a completely different concept outside of the regular derm practice to focus on body contouring. What gave you this idea and what gave you the confidence to kind of go all in on this craziness? It wasn't on a dime. And even though I do make a decision most of the time pretty quickly, and particularly sometimes I will mull something over for years even. On this particular situation is I already had body contouring in my derm office. And when the idea of body squad came about, it was really because the electromagnetic muscle stimulation piece of body contouring came out. And I also know that the data is also supportive of this is the biggest growing market. I was seeing that in my office, but I knew in my Allen B. Dermatology office is that I wasn't getting the focus that it needed. And even if I put staff to the area, they were tending to get pulled into other arenas. And I actually dedicated one of the people that went to Body Squad actually got dedicated as the body contouring specialist. And it was really doing well. So she and Bridget actually went to Botify, which that is a fantastic body. Actually, they're more just cool sculpting in Arizona, but they really have the marketing piece down and they really have the training program. 
Um, they have a training program, but they're like, I think the fourth in the nation for cool sculpting. And they're just cool chicks. They're, they're not really medical oriented. I think one is maybe a nurse, but they just really understood body contouring and the needs of people and how to do it in an elegant way and a non-threatening way. And between the electromagnetic muscle stimulation, which initially was M-Sculpt and now I have Cool Tone, because of that piece of it, because with Cool Sculpting by itself, which is my main way of getting rid of fat for body contouring, the patient was going to be finite, meaning they were going to treat to a point where they didn't need treatments anymore. And for any business to be sustainable, it has to have repeat. So the repeat is actually the muscle stimulation. And both of these devices are so unique and so amazingly efficient in what they do. I kind of just said, you know what, Bridget, it was Bridget and Nadia back then, put together a package and let's figure this out. And things were happening quick. So I started making quick decisions, but they were starting to like come together very nicely and quickly. And it was just like, okay, we're going now. So we just started jogging with it. And then we took off to a full sprint. And it has done really well. And actually weather, weather has destroyed me. So it's the hardest part about this business has been extraneous factors, which you can't do anything about. Okay, we're having a hurricane coming. So we're going to have to shut down. And it just you know messes up like an entire month. And it's just now this pandemic thing. It's like as soon as the ball gets rolling, like something comes and has been pulling the rug out, but it'll come around. Everything will be fine at the end of the day, but it's just a matter of like not getting too frustrated. Mm -hmm. You also recently started your own podcast. What gave you the idea to do that? And what would you tell somebody who's thinking about starting one themselves? First of all, my team suggested that I start doing a podcast. I listened to my, my marketing team and the biggest problem that I think most aesthetic doctors have is time. You know, that's our biggest limitation. And I think, especially when you're used to, like back in the day when I was doing germ and cosmetic, like I said, there's two different mindsets with that. And you're exhausted by the end of seeing a lot of germ patients and then a couple of cosmetic patients. You don't have time for anything. As a cosmetic doctor, I do have more time to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to tax myself so much. I'm going to just stick with this because your brain isn't getting ripped around. And anyway, my staff really said, you won. You need to start being more visible because people want to see you. You know, you have your followers, you become a little bit more of a status to them and they want to see what you're doing on a daily basis. So that's basically why I started the Because Looking Good Feels Good live Instagram. And then we were making that into a podcast and that's kind of how podcasts started. And honestly, I Bridget's been doing most of the editing for me. And, you know, it's having great support. If you have a good support team and you don't have time, that's the way to do it. If you have time, it's easy to do the editing for a podcast. You know, the Anchor uh, website is fantastic. So I, I think the tools available today are just so much better and easier to do. I remember, you know, even two years ago, turning on the computer and trying to like pull things up, it was like impossible. And now, you know, I can kind of whiz around a little quicker, like you were helping me earlier, just like kind of point me in the direction that I can figure it out now. And I think they've, Mac, they understand that you don't know what you're doing. So they kind yeah. of make symbols for you. You're like, oh, okay. If I click on that, you know, I'm not going to crash the entire computer. 
You've gotten some pretty high profile guests to come on your podcast, like Mark Foley. How did you do that? I, <laughs> I just asked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've known Mark for quite a few years and I just always loved him. And I'm like, okay, who can I ask that is like cream of the crop here? And it was Mark Foley was one of them. And he he's such a gem. I will tell you, the guy is, you know, he's just not only so talented in his field and, you know, he's like a Tom, you know, they're quiet, they're understated, they're confident because they've accomplished a lot, but they don't brag about it. And, you know, it's just an amazing group of people that we've had. I mean, I've had Alyssa Lask, I've had Mark Foley, I've had Chino, he was such a doll, you know, Dr. Fagan. So we've had some really amazing people to join us, actually, Real Self. You guys joined us for a nice one. And it's just, you know, it, it is just asking. And I think that's actually why I moved to South Florida was people don't say no, like you have to keep trying and don't take the word that no as a bad thing. Just like try to figure out a different way to get there. I like that. That's how I felt a little bit about Houston. Like coming out of Minneapolis, I felt like if you said, I'm going to do this thing, people would go, you're not qualified. But in Houston, if you said, I'm going to try this thing, they would be like, rock on with your bad self. Exactly. I love that. I love that. But yeah, you know, I think, and it might be us being women, you know, we kind of come from a background of, you know, maybe feeling inadequate or feeling like we weren't qualified enough and whatever our preconceived mind and then being in a kind of a more oppressed society kind of pushed us in that direction more. But yeah, being here, the person who I married also, I learned from him. He was a yacht broker. Like we sold back in the day, Ivana Trump a yacht. And that's kind of like the level of people. And he never took no for an answer. And it was just like, wow, this guy can sell ice to Eskimos. And it's not like he's doing them a disservice. So they want it. And he's he's just trying to figure out a way to get them what they want. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, trying to read people and understand them and help them with what they need. And at the end of the day, it ends up helping you out too. How many yachts do you have to sell to make a good living in a year? Oh. Like one or two? <laughs> <laughs> of those size, yeah. You, I mean, you don't you don't need to maybe one actually. I mean, today you could sell a two hundred meter, and it's you, there's your three million dollars for the year. You don't even have to think about it. it. It's a different world, I will tell you, and I don't miss it one bit. I'm going to tell you that too. I can imagine the people that live in that world are unique. That's a nice way of saying it. The world we do live in, though. <laughs> Is, uh, is definitely also unique. Mm-hmm. I was pondering, you know, as I do, some of the things and the trends that are happening in our space. And, and one in particular that I'm trying to solve is skincare. Everybody mm-hmm. is inundated with options. There are so many options. We as regular humans don't understand the ingredients the way you do as a doctor. And so we rely on you to tell us. But... I'm sure you would agree with me that compliance is the key to anything working correctly. 100%. What I want to get your thoughts on is this trend that I'm seeing toward simplification in skincare. Mm -hmm. And what comes to my mind is like something like Curology where they give you a PA, they look at your pictures and then they prescribe Mm -hmm. something and you subscribe to it. And then I heard from another doctor that SkinCeuticals was coming out with a machine in the office that you could actually mix 
on the fly. I don't know if I'm supposed to know this or not. But like, <laughs> I haven't heard about this and I carry them. So you as a doctor could actually prescribe and mix the product right there with the machine and give wow. it to the... Yeah, I hope I don't get in trouble for <laughs> giving out secrets there. It might be a secret. I know because I haven't heard that one either. Oh, well, now you have. I know, right? What are your thoughts on this trend towards simplification? I mean, it has to be simple 100%, period, you know, because people are just not going to do it. Everybody's doing stuff right now. I mean, product sales have been our pretty much only source of income for the last six weeks. And they've been pretty robust because it is something someone can do. And I will say skincare is the foundation. And times like this, when you go back and really get going, even myself, because I'm like everyone else, I'm lazy at the end of the day. It's like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, whatever. I would say for most people, they spend so much money when they come and see me, you know, with their injectables, with whatever I'm doing, their lasers. And if they don't support it with something that's not that expensive at the end of the day, skincare, they're like missing half of the game plan. And I I do think it doesn't matter. You know, I don't know about the mixing. And I would, the only thing I kind of would be a little concerned about is if it starts looking anything like it's medicine, then you get like FDA sniffing around and they will ruin everything for us. So, you know, I want to kind of keep it as cosmeceutical as possible, but I do think the available products today are just, they're just mind-numbingly wow. Because I think that the technology behind them has been so well investigated with the good brands. You know, there are just like, people are still mixing stuff up in their garage and you're like, all right, really? You know, I'm private labeling them and they just, you know, it's junk as a provider. But when you have a really strong company like Allergan, who really puts great data behind a product, I don't mind ever having a patient use it because that's what I use. You know, I, I'm going to use the stuff that has some data because I don't want to waste my time. Even if I'm getting this for free from the reps, so they want me to sell it. If it's not doing something, it's not in the office. So I just think whatever system you have, I personally like the ones that are going to deliver more than one thing in one bottle. So it's kind of that basic thought process. I mean, I think for most people, if you do anything more than three steps, you're going to start losing them. And, you know, that's about the tolerance level. You have the hyperachievers who are going to say, I want, you know, 15 steps in the morning. And they obviously have more time than most of us. (laughs) um, And they'll do them. But I don't know if it really becomes a saturation point where they're really not getting the benefit where they should. And everybody's different. And I do think our skin just changes. You know, I, I know my needs 10 years ago are definitely different than today. You know, I see all these things that I talk about, which is the collagen loss, you know, the crepiness, the neck issues, the gut, the, the, you know, all these things are really more evident because they're on me. And the more I see my own stuff falling apart, the more I'm likely to find a solution. And then I let the patients have the solutions, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens with these. I just think, you know, you just have to keep it simple for a patient or they're never going to fall. They barely will put sunscreen on. I mean, you guys did an article on that and it's like most people don't even use their sunscreen anyway. It's pretty remarkable. Some of us have to, because we're from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you have skin cancer in the family, probably I would imagine. Definitely. Yes. Quite a bit. And yeah. That generation in my family grew up skiing without sunscreen. Right. Winter and water skiing, I'm sure. Both. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Okay. 
it's a girly question. I'm sure nobody but me cares, but what's in your purse? What's your favorite product right now? You're so cute. You know, what's so <laughs> funny. I, I was laughing because you had sent me some questions and I don't carry a purse. Uh, my dog <laughs> is in my purse. <laughs> that is usually what I carry my dog in my purse. I actually, I, in my mind, I want people to not have to think about carrying a purse. And that's how I, I kind of position everything, whether it's the way I do things aesthetically for patients or skincare that I have for them. I want them to not feel like they have to carry anything. And that's my real goal is like, I woke up and I look this good almost, you know, like we're all a little lagging somewhere. (laughs) You know, it's impossible to, to feel that great. But you know what? I have fake spray tans at the office, the Southampton spray tan. If you're using skincare, it's not a skincare, but if you have like, when you're a light complected person, like I am, like you are, having color means a lot. You know, you need some dimension. And a spray tan, Southampton spray tan in your can, in your bathroom. If I have something that I want people to see me, if I'm going to do one of my Instagram lives, I'm doing my spray tan the night before. Like just hit my face quick. Because when you look good, you feel good. Like my Instagram title, it really makes a difference. But it's really about, I think if I'm going to have anything in my purse, if I'm carrying something, it's usually an eyeliner and it's probably like lip gloss. Because I think, you know, those are the two things we're always trying to highlight because that's usually our beauty points. I love this spray tan answer. Now I'm going to have to go Google it and figure it out. Oh my gosh. Southampton <laughs> spray tan. That one is amazing. I mean, it's available over. I, I'm like at the casinos in Vegas and I'm walking by the, the, the little retail shops. They have it there. It's like, yeah, that's my spray tan. <laughs> A couple more questions before we wrap it up for the day. You've been serving on the Real Self Business Advisory Board now for a few months. And I'm just curious if there's anything since you've gotten closer to what we're doing, if there's anything that has surprised you about Real Self or the people that work there. Real self has a great reputation, first of all. You know, I think like every business, there's going to be a little ups and downs here and there. And I think it was such a great concept. I think it could be the player of all players. I mean, it could just dominate in so many ways. And I think that that's the direction that it should go and will go because I think the tools that it offers are just. You know, as a one-person office, meaning like, you know, I'm running the business, I'm the provider. I think all of those people like that should be using a real self to help them, whether it's from the marketing, which is really where real self came in from. But I think real self has business tools that are going to be so robust. And I think to me, that just made my heart swell. You know, like finding somebody who's going to figure out how to get my patients financed. You know, those are the things that I know are in the works. And I don't know if I'm not supposed to say those sort of things, but spoiling the beans here. But those practice management things, you know, I don't want to be bought by a practice management company and then they're coming and taking a chunk of me and then they're dictating the rules. I want to still run and rule my practice, but I also want a partner who's going to help me with it, not somebody who's going to start basically taking all my years of experience and patient population and turning it into something that is not unique for me. So I'm more impressed with the direction that it's going and the robust, you know, IT community that has joined Real Self. I think, you know, that has just been a huge, you know, kudos to Real Self. I think it really is going to have a 
a huge impact as time progresses. And, you know, of course, everybody's kind of like in a weird tornado or vortex right now of what's going on with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Real Self has been one of the first out of the gate, like, hey, we're going to help you guys with this. We're going to help you figure out telemedicine. We're going to let people know that you guys can do virtual consults. You know, in my office, it's more my PA is going to be doing the virtual consults. But still, if some people, that was the direction they already wanted to go and they didn't have the avenue to do it, I think Real Self came in and, and really helped. So I wouldn't have joined, honestly, if I didn't think it was a quality crowd. I just There's too many things that we can all opt for out there. Go, yeah, I don't want to be on every panel of everything. I just kind of want to do the things that I like the people, number one, and that I think that they're really supportive and have a great forward-thinking direction that they're taking their business. Well, and to your credit and your colleagues who are on that board with you, it's been invaluable mm-hmm. getting your feedback. And you can see how since we've established that board two years ago, that what we're actually doing now is because of what you're telling us that we need to do. And so that's been a huge improvement for us. And we've had, speaking of virtual consults, something like 1,500 doctors in one month told us that they're doing them and we added that to their profiles. Mm-hmm. So we're that's we're really huge. happy with how that went. And, and that's such a tricky time for everybody. So... It is. It is. I think that that was, you know, one of the first things out of the gate you guys did and and also helping us doctors with the finance of making Mm -hmm. payments. You know, it's still a service that we we do pay for. But I mean, you guys are not unreasonable anyway, as far as the marketing dollars. I think you guys are totally reasonable in what you provide, you know, and I think it's just it's going to get better and it it will. I think we're just going to have to kind of wade through this kind of uncertain time right now. Yeah. Hopefully it's shorter than we, I just want it to be over. I know. Well, if we watch the market, it seems to be doing better than I would have expected it to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I can look today. I don't want to even look. <laughs> you have to be in the right mood. Exactly. On this podcast, I ask everybody the same thing at the end. And I'm curious what your answer is going to be. It's what is your superpower? Everyone has a unique superpower. What's yours? Uh, my My unique superpower is perseverance it's sticking with it just always sticking with it and making things work and as long as they're good (laughs) but I stick with things very strongly I'm very loyal so I have a perseverance slash loyalty to whatever I make my mind up to I can see that (laughs) I greatly appreciate you sharing your stories with us today oh Eva thank you Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.